Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome into Attacking Third on this Wednesday. Lisa Carlin, Kaylea Watt, Darian Jenkins, and Jenny Chu here for you today. We have so much news to go over because this is a big week in NWSL. Mm-hmm. Decision Day, which we have renamed. <laughs> Did we figure out what we're renaming to? I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I won. She won, but... I'm pretty sure I won. <laughs> what was it? The Crown. Quest for the Crown. I do a like a it. I do like, I like it, it, though. I like it. Who doesn't love a crown? You're right. Yeah, oh my for God. A queen. Please zoom in on fit her. For a queen. <laughs> um, okay, so Quest for the Crown going on this weekend. We have plenty of coverage on that coming for you. Lisa is going to be hosting uh, Ooh, a around show. Yes. Snaps for that. Yes, it's very exciting. Um, with all the games being on the same day, How? what better way to watch them than in a six box with all of them happening at the same time? <laughs> it's like red zone action, and I'll be there the whole time on Sunday. I don't know why I'm picturing you, like, actually whipping it out, trying <laughs> to know. watch all of the games. I will be, actually. I've got myself literally. a swivel chair, so I'm just turning constantly. We're going to call her Nico Cantor from now on, because this is like the Nico Cantor chair, so basically... Perfect. Mm-hmm. Fitting. Sure. But it's the Lisa Carlin chair for that. <laughs> the Lisa, yeah, Carlin. Lisa Carlin. You're right. You're right. Okay, let's go ahead and get started in this news. We're going to start in NWSL where the Chicago Red Stars have sacked Chris Petroselli ahead of the last regular season match against O.L. Reign. Assistant coach Ella Maser will be the interim manager for that match. We move on to NWSL as well, where they announced that the match between O.L. Reign and Washington Spirit was the most watched regular season match in NWSL history. The match was also Megan Rapinoe's last regular season home game. We move to Spain, where the match between Barcelona and Real Madrid is set to be played on November 19th. It had to be moved from its original location at the Estadio Johan Cruyff due to high ticket demand. El Clásico will, for the first time, be held in the Estadio Olympique U.S. Companies, which has a 55,926 capacity compared to the 6,000 at the original location at the Johan Cruyff, which there was too much ticket demand, guys, to play it there. Wonderful to see. And Rinsola Babajide was named to the Nigerians' Olympic qualifying roster. The 25-year-old forward was born in London to Nigerian parents and recently switched her international allegiance to Nigeria after having played in the English youth national teams. 
Melissa Charlotte will be the inaugural Katarina Macario's assistant women's soccer coach at Stanford. Stanford's women's soccer program has created an endowed assistant coaching position that honors the two-time Mac Herman Trophy winner, Katarina Macario, after receiving a gift from an anonymous donor to invest in the program's coaching staff. Charlotte is in her second season on the Stanford coaching staff after helping lead the team to a Pac-12 title the season prior. And we love to hear this news coming here. Nike released goalkeeper Mary Arp's English national team jersey. And despite there being no announcement, absolutely zero marketing on this, the jersey sold out in under a day. What do we say, guys, when they build it? Or if they build it, they will come? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is this not absolutely fitting for this? Yeah, I mean, come on. The fact that they didn't promote it at all, there was nothing that was put out about it, and it still sold out in under a day. It's almost bad business at this point. Yeah. Like, give us more quantity, promote it. People have been complaining about this for years that these jerseys aren't available. And I think now this is just a good lesson for them. But mm -hmm. again, I think it's bad business. I'm almost like, what, what are, like who's making decisions <laughs> yes, here? If you're going to do it, make enough for the demand and make an announcement about it. Exactly. I mean, it, it's about time. It is exactly. about time. There was a petition out there on, on mm -hmm. change.com over 170,000 signatures for Mary Earps and other goalkeepers at the World Cup for their kits to be sold by Nike. So, I mean, there's 170,000 people right there mm -hmm. that want the kits. And the fact that they make them and they sell out without any promotion. I, I saw on Twitter, Mary Earps didn't even know that it was happening. Yeah, she, she, was, she was surprised she about it. She didn't even get a heads up. Like, yes. hey, we got your jerseys. <laughs> like, do you want one? Like, yeah, come yeah, on. That's that's I, I think that's even more incredible. I know it's bad business potentially, and they're making some mistakes here they should have made enough. I actually like that they didn't to be kind of proven wrong again. Yeah. You know, they got the signatures, mm -hmm. they did it finally, and then to be proven wrong again, like, hey, we have the viewership for this, yeah. we have the people that mm -hmm. want this, if you answer to it, um, I think is that kind of, kind of better. Yeah, Yay, exactly. I, I love it. And you guys remember the clip of uh, the fan talking to Mary Earp's parents yes, about yes, where, she got, yes. where they got her kid? Yes. I wonder if he got one. <laughs> I hope, he, I hope did. he did. I hope he did, too. The guy who was asking. And also, this El Clasico being moved because of the ticket demand, this is another example of, hey, if you give us the platform, we will fill the fill the seats. Mm -hmm. We will sell out the shoe, the show, the shows, the, and, and <laughs> the shows as well, <laughs> um, the shirts. And El Clasico was already played at Camp Nou last yes. year. 91,000? Yes, because of the demand for this. So the fact that they knew that this competition and, and the rivalry between these two clubs is usually a sellout, it's packed crowds, um, but to go from, what, 6,000 to ultimately what was the, the final total in the, the new stadium, like that's incredible 55, to have that. 55,926 capacity. It's huge. I mean, it was like within a few hours of, of of the selling that they had to change the stadium. That's again, just again, learn your, learn your lesson. Exactly. Come on, learn your lesson. How many times do they have to prove it? Stop undermining it. Yeah. Women's football is here to stay. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. Tell them, tell them, Lisa. Well, as we talk about women's soccer, be sure you tune in to the latest episode of our newest show, Kicking It. Carly Lloyd joins the crew for the first of a two-part episode to talk about her past with the U.S. Women's National Team what went wrong this past summer, and what's needed moving forward. You're not going to want to miss that one. And up next, we have our very own Jordan Angeli. She caught up with a great of the women's game to talk about her globetrotting career and Fiorentina's brand new training facilities. I'm talking Vera Buquete. You're not going to want to miss it.
NWSL and WPS will know the name Vero Boquete, who has played for multiple U.S. club teams around the country, from Chicago to Utah to Buffalo. And she spoke with Jordan Angeli earlier today from Italy, where she plays for Serie A Femenile side Fiorentina. I am so honored to welcome in a player who gave me personal nightmares having to vet defend her back in WPS days. But now she has just told me we are friends. So I like this a lot better, better Vero. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. You are now um, in Italy playing for Fiorentina. And, and the big news is Viola Park is opening. And this is not just big for the men's team, but it's big for the women's side as well, because you guys are going to have your own state-of-the-art specific training facility. What does that mean to you as a player? I mean, it means a lot. It means that uh, we're going to be training in a high-level uh, training facility. It's, uh, the Viola Park is really amazing. It's uh, now two months that we are already uh, training here. We have all that we need, and uh, that also gives us uh, a little more pressure because now everyone expects uh, even more from, from us, from our games. But uh, it's just we really feel uh, professional, especially in the women's uh, part right now and uh, we are sure that uh, the future uh, the younger players gonna enjoy even more this uh, viola park and uh, we're gonna uh, have uh, great players here yeah absolutely well they already have great players there they have you uh, so that's a really good step when you're talking about you have everything you need tell everybody some of the things that you have that maybe you weren't weren't accessible to you as a female player before well, right now we are talking that uh, we have uh, three fields for the women's side. So we have uh, two grass fields, we have the artificial pitch, we have uh, our own uh, gym that is uh, actually fantastic. Uh, we have the bedrooms on top in the first floor. Uh, we have, uh, uh, we even have like uh, for the hairdresser uh, to come and, and cut our uh, hair. So actually we have everything. Uh, we can have uh, breakfast and lunch here. Um, we have all that normally men football or professional men football players have. Yeah. And uh, now, but also the John, uh, the, the, all the, the John sector, uh, all the younger ones uh, have that. We have the residence for the women and also for the for the men. So it's uh, just fantastic. I think it's 11, 12 fields, uh, our own stadium with uh, 3,000 uh, uh, capacity. So, um, yeah, like I say, now we just have to win every game. Yeah, right? Uh, that sounds fun. I'm going to have to get out there and watch you guys play. And also, the kits that you guys play in are pretty nice. I, I love those kits. Um, this is a young league, though, Serie A Femenile. It, it just became professional last year. What would you say the overall state of the league is at right now? Uh, well, here in Europe, uh, all the uh, the men uh, dominate leagues are uh, getting better in the in the women's side too. We have the Spanish league, uh, we have the English league, we have also the French, uh, and now Italian is uh, growing really really fast. We have uh, top teams like Roma that is playing Champions League, also Juventus, and uh, obviously Fiorentina want to be there. Uh, not just in the men's side, also in the women's side, and um, the. 
the league is uh, now more professional. Like you say, last year we became uh, a professional year here in, in, in Italy. And uh, I'm sure that uh, with the football culture that uh, this country has, uh, the league is going to grow and uh, more people is going to come to our games, more spectators and uh, more fun to, to play. Yeah, you always make it fun for the spectators. I know that's for sure, Vero. When you're, when you're looking at the... State of women's football, though, across the world. We just witnessed what was the biggest women's World Cup in history, and we saw some phenomenal games be played. How much do you feel like has the game grown in your time as a professional footballer over the years? Well, uh, it's growing uh, really fast and a lot. Like, uh, I think this is my uh, maybe almost 20 season as a professional. Wow. I'm looking young, but I'm not that young. <laughs> and uh, I have been seeing everything. And uh, obviously in the last uh, eight, five years, uh, the women's side and the women's uh, game uh, grow a lot. Uh, the last uh, two World Cups uh, in France and also now in uh, Australia and New Zealand were just fantastic. And uh, more people is uh, getting uh, attracted uh, from from our uh, our game, and the stadiums are getting full. Uh, the TVs uh, are giving us more space. So for sure, we are in the best moment of the history in women's football. But uh, the best is yet to come. So uh, yeah. we are just excited to see uh, what uh, the future uh, brings. Yeah, I love that, Vero, because the best is yet to come. Um, I'm going to give you a little opportunity here to hype up your women, your Spanish women who are World Cup champions, because in the mix of everything that happened, we didn't get to talk a lot about them, right? The spotlight was stolen. So first off, how proud of you are, are you of this squad? And then I know changes need to happen. You've been very vocal about that. Do you feel like they're headed in the right direction? Well, first of all, they were just fantastic. They are fantastic football players. We have fantastic players, but they have a... And they show a, fun, a, a great mentality. It's for that that they won, because they have a tough year. And uh, even though uh, they made it uh, to be uh, world champions, they uh, play fantastic. Uh, they show that they are the best in the world right now. And then... Uh, the situation is still from them, all that joy and all that uh, huge moment. Uh, it was just huge for all the, the, the Spanish people. It was huge for the country, for all the sport. Um, and yeah, like uh, the situation was, uh, it was no great, that's for sure. So many bad things happened, but uh, I think right now we are in the right direction. It was a shame that uh, that happened, but uh, maybe uh, it was even necessary that something like that, mm. everyone could see it on TV. And uh, now uh, some changes are made and more are coming. And uh, I'm sure the future of uh, uh, football in Spain, not just women's football, football in general, because our federation needed a change. Uh, that change is happening. And uh, also that will help our country to develop a better mentality. And we hope also to push the next, uh, the other countries around and everyone uh, get on board because uh, we go for equality and uh, we deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad we could give the players props because I feel like in all of this, Vero, we've, we've lost sight of that. And 
you should be proud of your Spanish women because, man, did they play some beautiful football. Um, let's go to America because you've played here a couple of different times in two different leagues. You played in NWSL for the Utah Royals, who are coming back next year, which is exciting. But I don't know if you've been able to look at the table at all in NWSL. It is so tight. It's the last weekend this weekend of regular season. What are your thoughts about how this season has played out in NWSL? I mean, actually, yesterday I was uh, checking the table because I knew that this is uh, the last uh, weekend of games and uh, I wanted to know uh, how everything goes. And uh, I think it's just fantastic. The league is growing a lot. Uh, more teams, more fun, more people watching uh, at the stadiums, more people watching also on TV. So uh, also now here in Europe, more people is able to, to see the, the, the WSLD. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the playoffs because, uh, you know, like that's something special in US and uh, we don't have that in Europe and uh, I really enjoyed that and doesn't matter what happened during the season, doesn't matter who was the best team, now it's time to show up and uh, everyone wants to show up in the right moment and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, everyone also from here, we are excited to, to see and to watch. I love it. I'm going to, one, have to get one of those Vero uh, Fiorentina kits because I love that um, but two thank you for just everything you've done for the women's game everywhere you go you up the level and I know it was hard playing against you but I also loved it I loved playing against you because you make it hard on everybody you up the level so um, best of luck this season and congratulations on Viola Park and the, the opening and getting what is deserved <laughs> thank you so much Thanks so much for that, Jordan. Um, ladies, did you guys imagine this when you started playing, that there would be an own training facility? I mean, we have come such a long way. She mentions that she's been in, you know, in women's soccer for so long. They've come such a long way. And she said the best is yet to come. That's the part that I love to hear. But gosh, Kalia, it's been a wild ride in women's soccer. <laughs> I know we talk about being in trailers, Darian, at some point. But to, for them to have their own, what did she say, hairstylists come yes. in? Like, they're going to hair part. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first started playing for the Dash here, here in America. And we would pull up to practice, jump out of our cars, train, go do our own laundry after. We had no one doing our laundry. And Darian, you know, it has grown so much. And as she said, so quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really exciting to see training facilities like this, um, stadiums in Kansas City for the first women's stadium being built. It is so exciting and the best is yet to come. I, I think when you give the players these resources, right, that's when they're able to perform at their best because they're not worried about watching their practice uniform to mm -hmm. get back there or making sure that they make their own stretching appointment with the personal doctor that they have because they don't have the team physicians there available to them. The grand scope of this training facility in Florentino is really hard to wrap your mind around. It is over 61 acres big. Ooh. 12 different fields, three of them just specific for the women's side of it. But it, the the gym and the lifting rooms, it is, it's been a long time coming for this. And the fact that there are certain clubs that are setting this precedent, mm -hmm. um, I'm just so excited for the point when this is the norm. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's coming. Those are such good points because as a player, being distracted by having to mm -hmm. do your own laundry or, oh, we have to go to another facility to watch film or 
I've even been on a team where film is watched at someone's apartment. That's <laughs> the night before a game. That's how things are done. So having this, imagine how relaxed and more free the players are going to be just to focus on games, focus on performing, and it's just going to give them the space to elevate the game even more. Said it best. Best is yet to come. We talked to Vero, and so much respect to her and everything she's done for the women's game, obviously being a captain for the Spanish national team. But I just learned that there is a stadium named after her what? in her hometown. I think that's Legend. something. That's unbelievable. That's There's incredible. never going to be a stadium with my name on it. So that is <laughs> Never incredible. say never, Yeah, Jenny. don't stop dreaming, Never Jenny, say maybe. never. At this point, it just comes down to money. I mean, Katerina Macario gets a coaching yeah. position yeah. after If anyone wants to anonymously <laughs> yeah. there you go. <laughs> Donate so that something is named after me. I'll take it. No? None of you guys. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. is going to join us to talk all things national team, including the two December friendlies against China that have been announced yesterday. Stay with us. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We have the Death World Cup Third consecutive win with the U.S. women winning that. Uh, we have friendlies announced and there's so much more. So we bring in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera to talk through all of that. Welcome in, Sandra. Hello. Happy to be here. Hi, Sandra. It's great to see you. Three consecutive World Cup wins is amazing. And what does this say about the depth of talent we have here in America? Yeah, it's incredible, right? I love the way you frame that, the depth of talent. This isn't the first go-round for, for this team, although I think maybe a fun fact that folks aren't, aren't aware of that this is a team that has achieved a lot of success, but it was really just last year in, in, in 2022 where they really kind of were getting these resources and attention, uh, you know, via U.S. soccer. And now we see them you know, continuing to to thrive on on the pitch. And I think a lot of that has to do, obviously, with winning. Everyone loves a winner and loves to see that. But um, the way they're doing it and uh, some of these scorelines that we're seeing for, for and by this team, I think in this most current uh, window of tournament uh, for the team, maybe taking a look at their their group stage and, and how they win uh, through the results, maybe one little hiccup with... Uh, I believe it was Poland, a 2-1 match there, but massive score lines for this team along the way, including a 10-1 win against England as well. So to lift another trophy, to lift another medal, you hit it right on the head. It absolutely speaks to the depth in all corners of uh, American women's soccer. Sandra, golden boot and golden glove going to the United States as well. I mean, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you kind of like go down uh, the history of this team and, and, and take a look at it and you say, maybe this isn't new news to people. This is a team that has had their success. But I think when we talk about the narratives that have existed around women's soccer as a whole, how you know, the the bar has always constantly been being raised by Americans and, and U.S. soccer and women in, in U.S. soccer. But to, to see other programs try to match that, try to be level with or try to compete to and sort of reach their own heights and reach their own bar uh, and to have the U.S. still compete at this level, still achieve team success while also achieving those individual awards as well. Massive. Now, Sandra, the U.S. women's national team has a pair of friendlies against China PR in December. There's no more retirement farewells. It's focused for the Olympics. What do you expect to see in these next two games? 
You know, these are also the last two games with interim head coach uh, Twyla Kilgore. So uh, a very unique position that she's in. I thought she handled the the pair of September friendlies really well. You have to manage the uh, emotions of those two farewell games. You have to really sort of manage the emotions kind of post-World Cup. Those were the first games uh, for the team coming out of their earliest ever elimination from a World Cup tournament. And you also really got to uh, kind of manage those, those emotions and expectations of young players that you're bringing into the the mix. We got to see first caps for, uh, you know, Mia official. We got to see one for Emmy Vignola and folks get really excited about that. Like who are these, these players who are going to, you know, who, who have next, so to speak for the national team. But I think in this window, maybe we're going to continue to see a little make, bit of a mix of that in terms of when the roster drops. I won't be surprised if we still see that mix of, of, of 23 to, to 20 to 23 players that had participated in the world cup within this window with a, with a sprinkling of perhaps some, some new talent, some NWSL specific talent I'd really like to see within there as well. These are the friendlies that are going to take place uh, before that December window that with these games that just got announced against China. And with that window being so late in the calendar year, I think that might be the window where we really get to see some some newer faces or some more uh, NWSL regulars involved in the mix against China. This window coming up against uh, Colombia in October, I think we still might see a pretty even split. Sandra, you're talking about new faces within the roster. What about this coaching position? Do you think that we'll have somebody named by that point? Yeah, everything is trending towards yes, right? I think the... You know, they've already made the announcement, U.S. Soccer, that Twyla Kilgore will stay on as interim through the October friendly. So we do we didn't know that they were going to have her as the head leading these four matches with the team, at least through October, perhaps buying them a little bit of window of time to completely go through a really thorough search, perhaps even cast a wide net. So I think the the hope is to get somebody in far before December. I think the hope is to get somebody in at least by November, post-October friendlies to sort of really get in there, take a look at who they want to bring in and get a look at in this final December window. It's not going to be utilized as a an ID camp or an identifi- uh, identification camp. It's, it's literally a FIFA-sanctioned international window. There's going to be friendlies attached to it. We now know the opponent uh, is going to be China. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who this for this next head coach is going to bring in to the mix to close out this calendar year. The United States are headed back to the Pan American game, Sandra, and this is the first time since 2007, and it's a senior, it's a senior camp and a senior competition. However, the U.S. is sending their U-19s to compete in this. What are the expectations for this group? Well, first of all, I love it. I love that they're being utilized this way, the Pan American Games. This is a tournament that we have seen a number of nations participate throughout the region, whether it's CONCACAF or CONMEBOL. But it's also not uncommon to perhaps decline participation just because of the window of time in which it falls. You know, there's an Olympic Games right around the corner. And we've seen the U.S. decline some participation before in the past. Canada is no stranger to that, nor is Brazil. But once upon a time, Pan American Games were were made maybe utilized as an opportunity for these programs to get that experience for their up and coming players. And I think we've seen how it has benefited, you know, Marta and Brazil in the past. And now we get a look at how it perhaps maybe benefit, uh, you know, Argentina or Colombia in this case, or even Paraguay. Those are teams that made run during the Copa America Femenina in 2022. And we got to see some of them in this last uh, World Cup in 2023. So uh, I like that 
U.S. soccer is sending a team to participate in the Pan American Games. And I really, really like that it's a U-19 squad as well. I mean, they're no strangers to sending maybe a younger team to that. I mean, we've seen, uh, I believe, Cat Whitehill at one point, Lori Lindsay competing in these games as part of a, of a, of a U team for the USA back in the day. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see who's got next. I'm eager to see uh, these the roster that's been announced, I think folks are already going to look at the names on there and try to see who they can figure out. Giselle Thompson, uh, Thompson on there as well, already the sister of Alyssa Thompson with Angel City. So I think folks are already getting excited about this opportunity because so much has been talked about the spotlight on who that next head coach is going to be. But within that as well, it's about the performance that this uh, senior national team just had at the World Cup. What comes next for this program? How do you continue to hit that reset button and rebuild and make sure that you're staying competitive uh, You know, in the cycles to come. So I think getting a young team out there in a competitive environment like this, there's only more pros than cons in it. Sandra, I love that we're having a focus on the youth. I think that's something that the U.S. has been talked about a lot to make sure that the coming generations have the same quality that we expect. So it's, it's incredibly interesting for them to be sending the under-19s and, and probably really positive for us. Thank you so much for bringing us so much of that. Thanks, y'all. From the U.S. Women's National Team, which we just spoke about, to the NWSL. There's a number of coaching vacancies all around. They're going to be needed to filled this offseason. We'll have more on that next. This last match today will be full of action as teams make their push for the playoffs, but the NWSL offseason also promises to be a particularly busy one with a number of coaching positions that need to be filled. We're going to go ahead and get started with the news that came out most recently. Chris Petroselli, who was hired in February of 2022 following the aftermath of the Rory Dames investigation, has been let go. Um, Chicago has been without their best player, Mal Pugh, due to the injury, but this is a team that in their history has always contended for a playoff spot and they currently sit in last place, Kaylea. Yeah, I think the last couple years have been really rough for Chicago. I was there in 2021 and that season was so tumultuous, obviously, and with the exit of Rory, it was time for a sense of stability and, and calm. I really believe that. And so I think Chris was a good option for that transition. And I think it really has swung too far. And they really need to find some middle ground. I think they need some more fire. I think this offseason is going to be huge. They have to attract more free agents. Um, Mal Pugh is a free agent, and that is Mal Swanson. Sorry, I did what you did yesterday. <laughs> and um, that's going to be huge for them. And so I, I really think that at the time it was okay, but with this new ownership group, they're just not going to stand for it. And it was a great first step looking towards the future. Yeah, I mean, when Chris Petroselli took over in Chicago, he was put in an impossible situation, which with everything that was happening in the, the coaching staff, the front office, everything the players were going through at, at that point, um, he then takes his team and, and makes another appearance in the playoffs last year, which a lot of people thought was going to be nearly impossible. However, this year he then faces even a more impossible situation, I would argue, because the club goes up for sale and they don't have ownership for most of the season. So they don't have money coming in. They can't make transfers. They can't do anything like that to bolster up their very weakened midfield that they lost due to free agency. And then you lose your star player in Swanson. There's a lot of uphill battles that Chris Petroselli had to climb. And he he played the game with the cards that he was dealt, and he did his best. I, I don't think there's too much bad blood there as he goes out, but it's a new chapter, 
and Laura Ricketts, who has come in and put over $60 million into this club, they want to win. They want to get back yeah. to the playoffs. So that's going to be a point for them. So, Keely, I think you said something there that was really interesting to me. You said that after Rory Dames, maybe they swung too hard the other way when we talk about Rory Dames potentially a bit aggressive and, and, and loud and controlling in some senses, which was came out in the investigation. Those are not my words. Um, Chris Petroselli being a little bit more of a calm spirit. Is that what you're referring to? Something in the middle would be what they need? Exactly. I think that he came in. He was really calm. It was his first time in the NWSL and, and coaching professional women, which is hard in itself. It's a whole different game. But you could even see during the games, he was really quiet. He wasn't really talking. And I, and I have heard that they're looking for more fire and, and getting them ready to go for these games. And I think, like you said, they need to find the middle ground there. Is there anyone that comes to mind for you, Lisa, when we talk about who should take that position? Maybe even just a contender. I mean, there's a lot of good candidates out there. I think one thing that we've learned over the last several years with coaching vacancies in the NWSL is that you need head coaching experience in professional sports in order to be a successful head coach in the NWSL. You look at Scott Parkinson, who came in for Gotham. That was his first head coaching position. That didn't last very long. Um, even Chris Petroselli, this was his first year in professional, or his second year, excuse me, but his first time coaching at the professional level, yeah. and it, it didn't work out. So you have to have someone who's coached at that level and been a first a head coach, not just an assistant. Even Sam Lady, he had his first head mm -hmm. coaching position at Houston, and he's no longer there. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to Angel City because they fired Freya Coombe uh, earlier this season and then um, appointed Becky Tweed as the interim head coach. And it seems like she's kind of taken the rein and, and headed them in the proper direction to make this playoff contention um, closer, you know, to making them the first time in playoff history. That would be huge if Angel City makes the playoffs and it's off the backs of interim head coach Becky Tweed. She went 11 matches undefeated from June when she took over up until just a few weeks ago. And I think it would be silly for Angel City not to talk to her about becoming the, the next head coach. It's a really big role with a lot of personalities at Angel City. Look at the superstars that are there with Sydney LaRue, Kristen Press coming back. You've got yep. the number one draft pick and the youngster, Alyssa Thompson. So balancing players that are, are, are at opposite ends of the spectrum of their careers and making sure that you're getting the best out of them on the pitch. I mean, Tweed knows the system. She, she found success there already. I think it would behoove them to start there with Tweed. How often does that happen in NWSL, shall we say, that they continue with the interim coach that they've hired? I mean, I, it I doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I don't think often <laughs> no. at all. But I do think it would be smart of them to stick with her. Obviously, this team is bought in. She showed she can develop, especially coming in as late as she did to the season, being the head coach and saying, you know what, getting everybody to commit to her plan and execute it well. Like, how many games did they go on a winning streak or – not losing streak, we'll say, 11. Lucky number, I love that. Um, but yeah, they, I think it would be a little daft of them to not stick with her and give her the opportunity to have an off-season and a full year or some of the season to at least prove herself and see what she yeah. can do. I agree with that. If she so, wants it. Ooh, Ooh. spicy. Um, that's always Darian, the case. We moved to Kansas City where they had a bit of an underwhelming season. They were expected to make a contentious you know, run this year, and instead they were the first eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah, rough going from making the finals uh, in 2022 to being the first team eliminated this season. My biggest thing is that they need to keep players healthy. They have all of the weapons that they could possibly want, in my opinion, going into this season, and I don't think that they – 
had the proper chemistry or tactical plan, especially in the the first half of it. They were in a three-back often in times playing against teams that had a really dynamic front three and were exposed wide and then crosses into the box and really silly mistakes that I think it was more of a tactical misunderstanding between what the coach wanted and what the players were seeing and how the, what the game was giving them. So I think this new coach coming in, which we're all suspecting is going to be Vladko, I'll just say it, um, I think needs to be a tactical genius and get the team bought in from day one. I think it was a little bit too delayed last year for them, but they also need a coach that's going to develop these younger players. They have Loera, Cooper, Robinson, and so many more that need to be just up to par as with Dabinia, Lola Bonta, Kristen mm. Hamilton, mm-hmm. CeCe Kaiser, all of their star players. Uh, Haley Mace, who you know exactly what they're going to bring to the table. They have their own style of play. You know what to expect of them. They don't need too much focused coaching, but those are players you build the team around, you build chemistry yeah. around. So I think that coach needs to come in and really just get them gelling together again, yeah. and they'll be a contender for playoffs next year. So my question there is, you name all of these players that we know are such quality, and they've shown their qualities, but they were unable um, to make the playoff push. You think this is a coaching thing. You think that with the same core of players next season, with a new coach, things would change for them. It's not necessarily a change in personnel, player-wise. Yeah, not at all. It didn't even really get to the full midfield. They have Desiree Scott, who's a free agent, Gautrat, DiBernito, uh, Lola Bonta, Dabinia. There's so many players. Mm-hmm. It's a stacked team. So I think... The coach needs to come in, and it's really just tactically. They're, they're having the stadium. They have the training facility. They need to keep players healthy. And I still think even if they had this exact team next year, they're uh, one of the top teams in the league. Lisa, Lisa, you made a great point earlier in that a lot of times these coaches are here to manage these players, and that can be extremely difficult. With such quality players on a team, you're not trying to change them. You're not trying to... You're just managing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great point, and that's what is so difficult about this league. It's putting them in the right position Mm -hmm. to succeed, right? You're not going to teach Sabina something that she doesn't already know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So can you put her in the right places on the field, give her the freedom to have the creativity that she has, just be able to unlock it, and then have a... I'm going to be honest, supporting cast around her, yeah. that can help her out. It, you have to know who your stars are and who are the supporting players that can feed into her. Listen, we all have to play our roles in, yeah. in every situation that we're in, but my question is, you say we have to bring in a tactical genius in that sense because you have these players, maybe not genius, a tactical coach, right? Is Vladko Donovsky that coach? I think he can be at the club level. Okay. Yeah, I think he has shown success mm-hmm. at the club level, being a coach formerly in Kansas City. Um, when you're with a team every single day, you can teach tactics yeah. and you can go through different formations and teach them different ways to float through it. With the national yeah. team, you only get them at spurts. Yeah, moments. and my opinion, I had him as my coach at uh, Rain when I played there. And that was the most I've learned tactically from any coach I've had. Like, I saw the game completely differently, and you're right, with that amount of time where you get to be with the team day in, day out, watching film constantly, which he's obsessed with watching film, I think <laughs> that he'll, he would be a great fit for this Kansas Not in a teammate's apartment, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, a, that was a disaster. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Houston Dash because – their defense was the worst in the league, by the way. Um, no, best. sorry, the best, best, best in the league. league. Yes. Their offense was the worst in the league. So, yeah. best yeah. in the league, they only conceded 17 goals. The next one up conceded 22, but they only scored 16 goals across 21 matches, having the worst offense. So, they had brought in Diana Ordoñez, who was supposed to make the difference for them. But this mismatch in their defense being strong, but their offense really, really harmed them this season. 
It, it was a tactical nightmare for mm -hmm. Houston because they're able to do so well defensively. You have goalkeeper Jane Campbell standing on her head for uh, all of the games this year. That's why Houston is as high in the table as they are right now heading into the final match day because of their defense. However, you cannot rely on defense in the NWSL. You have to score. You have to find the back of the net. Um, throughout this year, Houston really struggled in their midfield. They did not have any depth, and during the World Cup and international break, they lost all of their players, and that was a huge loss for them. Now, Houston has signed Brazilian international Andressa, and she has stepped in there. She'll be there. How can you support her? We talked about Dabinha. This is another player in Andressa, midfielder, that wants to have the ball, and she wants to be creative. So how can you support and build in players around her. That's going to be bulking up the midfield for this Houston side, which they've slowly done. However, they're back to having Sarah Loudon as the head coach, who took over last year and led Houston to their first-ever playoff appearance. Uh, what do you she, think about her managing this team? She doesn't want it. I mean, she was an interim last year. I, I think that she is very capable. She's been at Houston. She's been an assistant. She understands the systems and, and the players. However, um, they, they're going to look for another head coach. They had Sam Lady come in, who was an assistant, a longtime assistant at OL Reign, and he just couldn't make the pieces fit together. Yeah. They have a lot of good personality. You mentioned Diana Ordonez. There's Maria Sanchez. They have players that can score but they need to be put in the correct positions to succeed and, and to be able to do that. I also think another part of that is their playing style. We've seen a lot of the, what like my grandma calls it, kickball. Yeah. Quite literally just launching the ball down the field and relying on Nichelle Prince. And it's because they don't have yeah. a midfield. Exactly. I agree, but now I think tactically it should, the new coach coming in, like you have Sophie Schmidt who I think is a really yeah. underrated yeah. player in the league. I think she's so good and connects the lines really well. So playing in a way that suits the players, actually suits mm -hmm. the players, not just hoping to score, I think is going to give them a lot of success. Kaylee, you played with Houston. Is there any insight you can bring us there? Yeah, I think that, first of all, I when I played there, we had the same head coach for many years, and it was not working. And so it's very encouraging now that we are living in a league that if you don't perform, you get mm. fired. Mm. So I am happy to see that, but they have had so many coaching changes over the years. And I think that you're right. I don't think Sarah wants it and they need to find a true head coach. Um, so I, I'm rooting for them and I, and I hope they find someone that can help use their weapons. They have some of the best offensive players in the league and they should be scoring more goals. Yep, love to see it. All right, guys, we'll see how that cookie crumbles. Ooh, It'll be a good <laughs> qualifiers have been taking place before the tournaments group stage we're going to have the full recap of that when we come back stay with us The last round of Women's Champions League qualifiers is underway before the group stage gets underway in November. And some of these first matches have been absolute goal fests. Okay, let's go ahead and get started where there was six goals in this game. Oh. Paris FC against Wolfsburg, an absolutely incredible match. I Lisa. mean, the first five minutes of this game, I was like, oh man, here we go. Because it's a defensive error by Petty FC. It ends up being a, an opening goal in the first four minutes for Wolfsburg. And I was like... 
uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, at little did I know, four minutes later, we'd get another goal. It was, by the 30th minute mark, it was 2-2 in this match. It was incredible. Paris goes up to one in the 15th minute, and then it's Alexandra Pop for, for Wolfsburg. There you get to see her celebrating uh, her first goal. She ends up with a brace in this match. Um, she gets the first goal around the 30th minute mark. It's a cross off a throw-in for Wolfsburg. Her header is from around the penalty spot, and she puts so much power on it. I don't understand how her neck snaps as hard <laughs> as it did to get this goal ricocheting into the back of the net. It was incredible. It looks like she smacked it with her foot, and it ends up being her head. Um, and then she gets the equalizer again late in the 70th-plus minute of this match. However, Patty FC has been really impressive. They are looking to make a run throughout this Champions League. They're they the team that Arsenal. knocked out Arsenal. They Let's knocked out Arsenal in penalty kicks. And throughout this match, they had really good moments against mm -hmm. Wolfsburg where they were able to find the space in the width, get the ball in behind, cross it inside. And there were shaky moments for Wolfsburg that Patty FC was able to really capitalize on. I like the looks of, of Patty and, and how far that they can go throughout this Champions League run. It's going to be fun to watch them, especially if they keep, you know, getting three on the board every I mean, time. to get three against Wolfsburg, this is a Wolfsburg that lost in the final of Champions yeah. League last year, so this is, you know, this is Alex it, Pop's team. Yeah, yes. this is not an easy team to play against, no. um, but they're keeping it interesting. I feel they've been, I mean, punching above their weight, I hate to say, but they genuinely, Perry FC genuinely has, and for them to keep up with Wolfsburg, uh, it's a huge testament to how far they're going to go in this Champions League tournament. Do you think there's an element of under... Uh, expectation for the opposition like for Wolfsburg and Arsenal going in against Petty FC to say like eh what is this team we'll, we'll breeze past them in the group stages I think so a bit I mean you you don't have much expectation you don't have much to lose you're kind of going in like you know what we can just we can make it let's have fun while we're doing it and I think they really did so I'm excited listen to see they it. won their last seven matches so if you're heading into this match you should be thinking hey this is a team that knows how to score goals mm -hmm. and can defend and you should be aware, you know, that yeah. this is no pushover, and they get a 3-3 here. Okay, when I say goal fest, six goals <laughs> in a match is like... Five goals me. before yeah. the half. Exactly. Crazy. I was like, this is so crazy. It's not even halftime yet, and five goals. It reminded me of the Kansas City-Chicago game. <laughs> like, it was, it was We've really been getting fun. a lot of goals lately to cover. Yes. Okay, well, not that many goals in this one, but two goals aside, Manchester United against PSG. Yes, ended in a 1-1 tie, so not as many goals. I think that PSG really dominated early on. Mary Earps came up huge in the first half. Um, I think that Man United did not have a single shot the entire first half, and they really came out, they looked a little shocked, I think. Um, Tabitha scored the first goal in the second half, but then four minutes later, Manchester gets one back, and they ended up tying 1-1. I think for United, their substitutes changed a lot throughout this game when we saw JC coming on and the fact that they were able to kind of ride out the first half without getting shots or, or getting too many op opportunities on goal, but then the players off the bench were able to do so much and, and that's what earns them the equalizer in the end. It says a lot about the longevity and the depth of this roster. I feel like PSG should have put this match away in the first half. They had all yes, their opportunities, like you mentioned, Manchester United not getting them in the first half, then you make those changes and Man U has a better opportunity. But if PSG had put some more in in the first half, that would have been their game. And there would have been no opportunity for Manchester United to come back. So that just tells you you got to seal it away when you have that, that lead. 
Yeah, you do. I mean, they had their chances and their opportunities, and, and this is Champions League, and this is group stage at this point. Mm-hmm. There's so much on the line for these teams, and, and once they get past this group stage, um, it's do or die. It's go home, and, and this is the pinnacle of it. So, yeah, I agree. PSG should have put this away and slammed the door shut in the first half, and they didn't, and they allowed United to, to climb back into the match. 100%. Well, just a reminder, tune in to the latest episode of Kicking It as Carly Lloyd joins the crew for the first of a two-part episode She talks about her past with the U.S. Women's National Team, what went wrong at the past Women's World Cup, and what the program needs moving forward, in her opinion. You're not going to want to miss that one. But as we end today's show, I just have to say, whip around with Lisa Roman. Make sure you watch that as we head into Decision Day, or what is it called? Quest for the Crown. Quest for the the Crown. crown. Thank you. Check in there. Thank you guys so much for watching Attacking Third. See us again on Friday at 4 p.m.